We want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded, and this area's original name is Nam. We pay respect to them and their elders, past, present and emerging. Oh, it's a little podcast, babe. I have just started listening to music. <laughs> panda fluffer, like it's very specific. There's no reason you can't have a cult focused on garlic bread. Oh, with the boys. With, 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 you ate it. Tasted like you were eating poison. <laughs> You're right there, darling. First of all, that's not standard issue. Astronaut wear. Aren't you? Yeah, other people. I know what other people are, Annie. Oh my God. Tuck it into your waistband. Can sometimes be seen at the top of the waistband being like... You would be the most annoying ghost. You know what? I'd like to be better at bringing my cat into work in a sneaky way. Chicken, where do you get your protein from? I don't even know why I call you my best friend. <laughs> You're listening to We Want to Be Better, the socially conscious upskilling comedy podcast hosted by myself, Bianca Ismailovsky. And me, Annie Nolan. Welcome back. We're back from break. Yeah. Annie and I took a few weeks off to really settle into the podcast and get a lot of prep work done. How much did we get done, Annie? Absolutely nothing. Yep. So mm-hmm. we're... <laughs> Remember when we signed off last time and I was like, oh, we've got some really good stuff planned. Mm. We're going to... Yeah, no. Didn't happen. Yeah, we didn't... We didn't. I wouldn't say we used the time wisely. I started my business. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. You used it wisely for other things, but, but definitely not, for the, not for the podcast. Yeah. No, no, no. But yeah. don't worry. I've been. I sufficiently ran myself into the ground, but didn't help the podcast. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. I've been, you know, formulating ideas, but that's, that's about as far as I've gotten. So <laughs> yeah, no, we're doing a really great job, but welcome back. It's good to be back. Uh, we're back in lockdown because we're in Melbourne, so there's I mean, that. things have gone right back to normal. Yeah, we're back to square one uh, in the old, well, not even square one because it's worse this time around, but yeah, we're back in lockdown. So for those of you who are not in Melbourne, may you enjoy your freedom. I'm so happy for all of you. For those hmm. of you in Melbourne, sincerest apologies because, yeah. Well, I don't feel I should apologise because I pull my weight. <laughs> <laughs> I wear my mask. Yeah. Uh, look, we're, we're back today and we're talking about a very exciting topic. I'm looking forward to this episode. Yes. Female, female villains. Mm-hmm. I love a good female villain, you know, in film. No, I'm sorry. I just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I do. I love, I think that female villains have kind of made a comeback and are trendy now. Oh, I yeah. see tops and stuff where people want to wear female villains rather than the princesses. Yeah. And I think as well, the, the female villain is, she's complex, but they make, they just make for great viewing. They're really great characters. Maybe it's just because I am a female, so I can, you know, usually relate to how they're feeling maybe a bit more than I can with a male villain. Yeah. But, yeah, I do love a female villain. I I often see myself a little bit in them. Yeah, you are the villain on this podcast. Me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you're probably right. I don't think so. Well, the female villain's usually very confident and... Okay. Yeah. You win. There you go. So, first (laughs) of all, we're going to just talk about female villains in film. We're going to do a case study on a female villain and the femme fatale sort of era in film. And then we have a special guest on the podcast, which is Ms. Abby Chatfield, who is a villain on The Bachelor. Yeah. She's got a first-hand experience of what it's like 
to be a, a villain. villain. Yes. So fun. God forbid I exude confidence and enjoy sex. Do you think I relish the fact that I have to act like Mary Sunshine 24-7 so I can be considered a lady? First of all, let's just start by talking about the femme fatale sort of female villain trope in film. The thing that I like about the femme fatale thing is that it literally translates to fatal woman uh, and she brings about the destruction of a man. That's generally it. Yeah, sometimes the destruction of a good woman Oh, you know, yeah, the yeah. woman that we are meant to be. Oh, don't worry. There's definitely a good woman getting destroyed. That's for sure. <laughs> that's, that's always the case. But yeah, you like when the femme fatale sort of thing really first started was just after, just around the war, just after yep. the war is when it really took off in the film noir sort of time because men were uh, scared of women. They were terrified of women, actually. Because, yeah. you know, up until the war, women didn't really go to work and women you know, they were homemakers and then the men go off to war and the women go out to work and then the men come back and the women were kind of like, you know what, I kind of like working. I don't know that I want to go back to being in the home and men freaked out and that's why the film noir era really stuck onto the femme fatale thing because it was sort of as like a cautionary tale to women, like your place belongs in the home. Yeah, and also when men were going off to war, they were really afraid of being cheated on. So (laughs) women's sexuality was also seen as a real villainesque quality as well. It was almost weaponized in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we've had female villains since the dawn of time. Like, let's... Eve, let's not forget Eve. Like if if you think about witches, like Mm. no one really bangs on about warlocks back then, you know. Even Joan of Arc and so many other things where they've got power, some sort of mystery or they're complex, then they have to be evil. It's interesting when you look at female villains, it's almost always their sexuality that Mm. is what they lord over men. And I think it's because like men – know that that's their weakness really like I mean look at poison ivy you kiss her and you die and then like catwoman is hypersexualized. like all these female villains are there's always something that they can lure men in with and like it's annoying that it's a woman's sexuality that gets weaponized yeah but it's also like that's how it, you can control a man because exactly. they really only think of one thing like it's very much that yeah completely Hilda, are you decent? Me? Sure, I'm decent. Uh, The female villain in films, particularly the femme fatale, usually exposes a culture's anxieties about females. It's talking about what bit society finds uncomfortable about women, which I find interesting because when you look at the female character, you're like, ah, that's what people are afraid of. And it's almost always their sexuality. Yes. Or... A woman not wanting to be a mother. Uh, yeah, prioritising work. Yeah. Or speaking out of turn, being quite, like you were saying before, quite confident mm. and standing up for herself. Mm. Yeah. Like if a woman, like, okay, let's look at Miranda Priestley in The Devil Wears Prada. I mean, she's a woman that's really good at her job. You know, that's what she does. She runs this crazy magazine and everything. And yet... She can't have a family or a husband because she's so focused on her career. So she must be evil. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. She says some evil shit and she, you know, made Andy go to Paris. But aside from that. Well, they always give you those reasons to hate them, of course. But the 
idea of the character, what it is shaped around is usually what, like they'll say individual things that of course you'll hate, mm. but the idea of who they are usually fall into these same repeated boxes of sexuality, not wanting to be a mother or not nurturing. Yeah, not because, nurturing. I mean, you only have to look at the stepmothers, non-nurturing stepmothers in pretty much every fairy tale. Yeah. Because she doesn't um, have that mother's she just She's not the mother. She's yeah. not the mother and she can't, you know, nothing compares to a mother's love. Um, I will say, you know, in The Parent Trap, the new wife, I hated her so much. But I look back and I think she's so reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I look back and I'm like, man, why did I hate her so much? They yeah. really put her through some shit. Yeah. Unnecessarily. They were little brats. They were little they brats, were. yeah, 100%. Yeah, or they, or she wants to work. So, yeah. because we're told all the time as women too that we can only have a certain amount of things. We can't have all of the things. No. We can't. We can't have work and a family and sexuality. We can't be complex. Mm. We have to be put into one single box. Yeah, it is really frustrating how many people ask me. What about kids? And I, I don't know that Palmer gets asked that question. Like, you know, Palmer opened a tattoo studio. I don't think anyone ever said to him, oh, but what about children? When he was like, I'm going to, you know, start a business. But when I'm like, oh, you know, I want to do this with my career, they're like, oh, but what about kids? Like always, what about kids to me? Mm-hmm. As in like, you're choosing your career over children, you know, but what about what about kids? Don't you... Don't you want to be a mother? Like, I can't have both. But Palmer's allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants. Mm. And you can't win because even when you do have kids like me (laughs) and you want to do work, so I've already had kids, that's done. It's, oh, but are you going to spend time with the kids? Can you balance this? Well, they do have a father as well. So I don't know if women can actually win. With that type of thing. No. And that's why the female villain is interesting because that you can always see what they don't like. So, so for example, in, in the book In the Noir 40s, Richard Lingerman writes that the rise of the femme fatale in film noir reflected male ambivalence and anxiety about those Amazons unleashed by the war who worked at men's jobs, had sex with whomever they wanted and rejected the home and motherhood. So female sexuality, particularly for men after the war, was so scary they were so afraid of female sexuality because they were worried about what their sweetheart was up to who was she was fucking while they were gone and you'll see in these films like uh in Gilda particularly uh the whole plot of that movie is about this woman who lords her sexuality over other people and yeah had sex with someone else while she was gone and that's what the whole movie is about and she's seen as this like terrible villain and it's not until the end of the movie that we find out that she actually never did sleep with anyone while he was gone so she's actually a good woman and like yeah. that, it's just, it's this bullshit of men are afraid of women's sexuality. Same as films like Don Juan, the famous French film. Well, it's actually not French. It's been had many adaptations, but the same thing. She has control over people with her sexuality. And even if you look at things like Lolita, where the woman who is seen as the villain is actually not a woman. She's a girl. And it, that story is about pedophilia, mm. is what that story is about. But the way that it is shaped is to still make you think that that little girl is controlling and she's, she's the one with all of the power because he can't help himself. Yeah. 
even even when it's a girl, yeah, that's fucked up. I mean, I isn't mean, it? isn't it? <laughs> but that is always the way. Them fatale characters, which is what we're like focusing on at the moment, there is usually two types. They're they're either materialistic and they want money. And that was really big in the post-war because there were movies that were brought out about women that wanted to work and then their home life would get destroyed because it was sort of like a cautionary tale to women, like know your place, stay in your home, otherwise your life will fall apart sort of thing because men really didn't want women to have power and they didn't want them to work. Nothing's changed. And then then there's also the one who wants uh, power and then there's the one who just wants to, to fuck men, I guess. Yeah, she's just sexual and she just wants to sleep around and destroy the good woman yeah that's the thing so the good woman is always popped in there and and usually this is like a very familiar thing that we have with like female villains is that you'll have a female villain and she's usually almost always offset by an innocent quote unquote good girl and it's to show that you know, at the very end of the film, usually the female villain will get her comeuppance and the good girl gets the guy in the end. And it's sort of telling women, like, just be good. That's what men want. They want a good woman. And then it's also telling men, be wary of the hypersexualized woman and fear women who are sexual. They're not, like, they're good, but that's fleeting, you know? They're not, like, lust isn't real. Stick with the good woman. Now, in today's day, the female villain is is often actually corrupting an, a good girl. That's usually what it is now. So you look at, you know, the bee in Apartment 23 or A Simple Favour. Uh, usually now, because I think, I think that this is what I think. I think it's because we're all, you know, feminists now and we're all like the sisterhood. I think they're trying to pit women against other women. It's not It's not so much now try and vie for the heart of a good man. It's like be wary of women that aren't well behaved and trying to plant that seed in the head of other women. That's yeah. what I think. Just like fairy tales teach children a lesson, a lot of these movies are trying to teach women their lesson, mm-hmm. which is really, really sad. I found it really interesting to see that in Disney films – more than 50% of the villains in Disney are women and of the remaining that aren't actually women, they're feminised. So they often, I mean, the queer community recently has been gathering around and saying that a lot of Disney characters are actually queer. If you look at like Jafar and people like that, they've got a lot of feminised characteristics about them as well. But considering women are so underrepresented in nearly everything, yet we have over 50% of the villains in Disney films. Yeah. That's a really interesting statistic, isn't it? Yeah, and it's always like female villains, they're seen to be more evil. I think there's something about like women because we're meant to be nurturing and we're meant to like love children and we are the givers of life that we have to be good. So when there's a female villain, she's usually got some really – sadistic terrible motives whereas like men they're usually just after money or power and people are like well that's good because you should be because you're a man it's like that's okay completely completely and often the male villains are quite likable oh yeah die hard come on yeah you know I love die hard but yeah I mean sometimes you're kind of rooting for the bad guy yeah yeah and there's that extra element to women that they're seen as maybe 
cruel or something. If you look at Harry Potter, I think that Bellatrix is undoubtedly the most evil person in all of that film. More um, so than he sh- who shall not, not be, be named. named. Yes, Voldemort, because Voldemort ultimately just wants power, doesn't he? He just he wants power and he will just kill for power. Where Bellatrix will torture. She tortures Neville's parents and so she's more complicated and evil. Yeah, she's more evil. Mm. Whereas Voldemort's just like, oh, he wants power. Good on him. Yeah. Of course. Of course, of course he wants he power. He's, that's, but that, Men and should the, have power. But that's the thing. It's like <laughs> masculinity-wise, that is a trait that – remember when we did that episode on masculinity and mm. the thing was like get power? That mm-hmm. was one of the traits. So, like, it's kind of okay when it's a man getting power because it's like, well, that's what we expect men to do because we want you to be powerful kind of thing in, like, yeah. you know, traditional masculinity roles. But for a woman, it's more offensive because we want you to be, like, a caring, nurturing person. And when you go against that status quo – you're fucking evil. We were discussing off air about hunting trophy photos. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I obviously don't like anyone doing like trophy hunting, but when you see trophy hunting pictures, particularly, you know, if someone has caught, shot a giraffe or something, you know, and they've, they're posing with it. When it's a man, people are like, oh, that's disgraceful. You're but when it's dick. a yep. woman, my fucking God, they go so much harder. I've literally seen comments that are like, as a, as a woman, you know, you should, you're the giver of life. How could you do this? Yeah. Like it's considered so much more debased and inhumane when it's a woman. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's fucked up. There is no way that we are going on a plane to meet some woman who could be a crazy, sick lunatic. Didn't you see Fatal Attraction? You wouldn't let me. Well, I saw it and it scared the shit out of me. It scared the shit out of every man in America. So now we're going to do a little case study on a film. I assume a lot of people have seen it. If you haven't, don't worry, we'll we'll explain it. But Fatal Attraction, the Glenn Close, Michael Douglas movie. My question is, before we even get into it, is, you know, Basic Instinct, Fatal Attraction. I watched these movies many years ago and particularly Basic Instinct, I was very confused because like all these beautiful women are throwing themselves at Michael Douglas. I, <laughs> I found okay. So of course I hadn't seen it because yes. that's the story of my life. Mm-hmm. And then you made me watch it yeah. so that I could discuss it yeah. about it. I <laughs> was my first thought. What the to, fuck? Yeah, and in real life. He's married to Catherine Zeta-Jones. So, like, there's something, there is something about him that people I find attractive. I think something. I'm, but what is it? I don't know. What is it? Because He doesn't time, have a good personality. He never plays a good guy. Like, there's no redeeming part about him that I'm like, yes, I mm. would boil a fucking bunny because I needed this man. So, like, what is it? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't and know. And the thing is as well, like, talking about female villains, Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct is, like, the sexiest fucking villain of all time and yet he's the hero they match her with like it's just (laughs) unfair it's unfair it just doesn't make any sense like give me something I can use you know like what is this uh so for those people that don't know Fatal Attraction the story of the movie is Michael Douglas is fucking Michael Douglas he's just a very run-of-the-mill average man is he an advertising exec is that yeah yeah yeah. you know white collar job yeah uh and he's married and he's got uh kid uh with his wife and the kid's the star of the film 
<laughs> I love her so much. And then the and the wife is gorgeous. Oh, the and wife she's got is the stunning, stunning, gorgeous. Yeah, living for her. And then um, he meets Alex, who is played by Glenn Close, blonde perm, very sexy. Lots of sex appeal coming out of Glenn Close in that yeah. one. And uh, she and he end up sleeping together. And then his wife goes away and he has an affair. Did you have a problem though that he spent the whole weekend with her and then comes home and only then feeds the dog? I'm like, you should have been looking (laughs) after your dog this whole time. Yeah. That dog's been upstairs in the apartment and and hasn't gone out to the toilet. And he opens the door and hits its foot and he's like, (laughs) oh, sorry. Like, no, you you are the villain of this movie. Um, You are fucking awful. (laughs) Also, I just hate when um, the little girl crawls into bed with the mother Mm. and he walks in because he's all ready to have sex with his wife and the kid's in bed and it's seen as that – he can never get his Oh, off. poor mate. Like yeah. the kids got in bed. Like you can't – we were just saying that women are meant to be nurturing and stuff, but even when they are, then you're mm. still given an excuse to cheat on them. Yeah. You know, you're still – Like the pressure of family life was too much for him. He, he had to go elsewhere. Yeah. Right? Like he had such a humdrum life. Oh, like I was watching it with Palmer and he was – he'd never seen it before and the whole time he's just yelling at the TV like – Every time Michael Douglas's wife was on the TV, he'd be like, oh, yeah, look at her despicable behaviour. Look at the way she treats him, like bringing him dinner. What a terrible wife. No wonder you went elsewhere. And I'm like, yeah, right. Like what the fuck is going on? But, yeah, so look, he sleeps with uh, Alex, who is Glenn Close, and then he's like, well, got to go, you know. Going back to my family. Going back to my family now. And Glenn Close doesn't like this and she – yeah, look, she goes to the extreme. She, yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong. She doesn't – she just doesn't – as she says to him, did you just think you could treat me like some cheap well, slut and throw me away? Yeah, but also she does – she's not a mentally sound woman. Yeah, so when no, he tells true. her that he he's going back to his wife now, she slits her wrists, right? Yeah. And it's positioned as – she is just so manipulative of him. Like, that is yeah. so fucked up. Like, that poor man, mm-hmm. so manipulative rather than, oh, maybe a woman with a mental health issue here. Yeah, it's never. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Absolutely escalates. <laughs> she She's goes the original next, body boy life. Yeah. She goes next level yeah, and it does. keeps going. But up to that point, we are meant to feel that he is hard done by, mm. but he's done nothing but be an asshole. Yeah. The whole time. I mean, there is definitely points in the movie where, you know, you're like, you're like, oh man, just leave him alone. Right. Like, you know, like he's shit anyway. Why do you want him? Like, what yeah. is going on? But then also you, you're, you're just like, oh, like, I just want her to leave him alone because it is stressful. Like what level yeah. is she going to get to? But then also you're reminded also, mate, you kind of fucking brought this on yourself. Yeah. You shouldn't, like, you really did think you could just sleep with her and throw her away. And yet she is the villain, which she is a villain. Don't get me wrong. But that's what we're going to talk about. So what am I supposed to do? You won't answer my calls. You change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. So in Fatal Attraction, we are led to believe that the man's life is ruined by this crazy obsessive woman. And really at no point does it really outline the fact that he fucked her. And brought this on. It doesn't go into that at all. He's really victimised the entire movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a scene where he's just gone back to his wife and it's a couple of weeks later and Glenn Close and him 
see each other again and she tells him that she's pregnant. Oh, yeah. And that interaction, like, is awful. He could not be more of an asshole. But you're still positioned to think that it is because he is asking her, well, it's a, I'm doing you a favour. I'll pay for the abortion. Yeah. I'll pay for the abortion. And you're because he's sh- like, he's like, you're not going to fuck my life, life up with this, right? No. No. And you're, again, made to think that she is unreasonable because, hey, he's going to pay for the abortion and you're stuffing up his life. And when she says, you know, I'm not getting any younger, this could be I'm my last 36. chance. Yeah, I'm 36, this could be my last chance to have a baby. You're like, well, that's fucking reasonable. Yeah. I mean, by all means, you're allowed to keep your baby, of course, and, like, it totally makes sense. You're 36. Like, fair enough. But at no point is she made out to be reasonable. It's like she is literally going out of her way to bring about the destruction of this man. And the thing is about this movie, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, is because it's not... It's not just that she's bringing about the destruction of this man's life. It's not really – it's a cautionary tale to men to be like, uh, just don't sleep with the crazy one. That's literally what it's like. It's like, you know, have an affair, but just make sure that she's not crazy. It's fucked up. But it's also a cautionary tale to women because Alex is – she's not married. She's a career woman and she doesn't have kids. And she's sexy. And she's sexy. Yep. She uses her sexuality – And then you have her against the wife who is married and has children and it shows that this alternative woman, this this career woman doesn't actually exist. It's like she might exist but she's not happy with her choice to be a career woman. Deep down, every woman that chooses career is actually longing for a man. She's miserable and she'll just sink her claws into any man that comes along and (gasps) – it could also be your man. Yeah, and it goes back to that stupid trope of it's not that I don't trust my partner, it's just that I don't trust the other, other women. women. Yeah, how many times do you hear that? I I trust you, I just don't trust other women. <laughs> no, I trust that you're not attractive enough to lure any woman and I was the only one dumb enough to land you. So, like, yeah, yeah that's what I trust. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the fact is that in the movie, Glenn Close's character befriends Michael Douglas's wife and gets under their, her nose and is in the apartment and is like f- friendly with the wife. And then it kind of pushes the narrative to be aware of women that have chosen career because yeah. they are most likely scheming to take your man. Yes, snake in the grass. And it's significant that at the very end, spoiler alert, Michael Douglas's wife is the one who kills her because. It's like, even though Michael Douglas broke the promise, the real threat to the wife wasn't her cheating husband. It was this other woman. It's that the fear the career woman, fear any woman that is sexual, like fear other women, not fear your husband cheating. Like don't, don't yeah. fear him and his ineptitudes, fear the women. Yeah. And like the fact that she's the one that kills her is sort of very significant. I think it's an interesting Yeah, also study. not cool with the bunny though. Really okay, not cool with look, bunny. the bunny scene is fucked up. It, don't get me – like, it is fucked up. I can't I, – I hate it. I really hate it. <laughs> they they did that for a reason, though, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, they did. The, you because know, it's it, so innocent. It's this and, innocent bunny. And it's – gosh, it, it's 
uh, herbivore and it's white and it's fluffy and, and it's, it's cute kids, it's and the it's the kids. kids. Yeah. And, yeah. And that also is just like further alienating, you know, because it's like, well, obviously you don't really want the baby. You want the baby to get to Michael Douglas yeah. because if you actually cared about life, you wouldn't kill this bunny. Yeah. And exactly. it's weird how like the term bunny boiler is used nowadays. It's like, oh, just any crazy, crazy woman. woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know, that was actually a little bit triggering for me because when I was at school, I got a bunny for my birthday. Mm. A kid at my school found a bunny and said, oh, who am I going to give this to? Of course, Annie, because I just rescued. What, he just an- found a wild bunny? Or yeah, there was-, was a wild, it was a, it wasn't a wild bunny. It was like a white bunny. It was like oh, a pet someone's bunny. bunny but it was, and it got out. Yeah, oh. but like no one knew whose it was. It's a country too. Did your bunny get boiled? What happened? No, well, kind of close. What? Yeah. Yeah. So I was pretty badly bullied at school and so I, he gave me this bunny at school and I kept it in my locker, but like with the door open, obviously, because it needed to breathe. And I just thought, okay, I'll take it home after school. It was in a cage. And I came back and the people that were bullying me had spray painted it, gassed it <gasps> and pulled my locker onto the ground. Like, and it was, yeah, it lived, but only like a couple of days. I know. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. School was oh fucked my for me. God. Did you know, have I never told you that story? Yeah. No. Yeah, it was pretty If I had horrific. known about your bunny past, I wouldn't have told you to watch Bailey. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd heard about bunny boiling before. It was nice that it wasn't real this time. Yeah, it was funny how I had heard the term bunny boiling. Mm. But I didn't know what it was exactly. until I watched Fail Attraction. I was like, oh, there we go. There's a source content. <laughs> That's how we got to there. But yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I watched Fatal Attraction many, many years ago and I was I was afraid of Glenn Close. I was like, man, I'm scared. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know why. <laughs> why? I'm not going to be, you know, hopefully mm. that's not going to happen to me that my pet's going to, I'm going to come home and my pet's boiled. But I was terrified of her. And then when I watched it back, Recently, I was like, I fucking hate Michael Douglas. Well, she often plays a villain, doesn't she? Wasn't she Cruella de She Bill? was Cruella de yeah. Bill. What uh, is it with her and torturing animals? Yeah, she hasn't got a good rap for that. <laughs> and in uh, 101 Dalmatians, and if you watch it back now, The Devil Wears Prada, shot for shot, yeah. remade a lot of the scenes because of how villainous she was. She's fucking great. Glenn Close is amazing. Yeah, so we're talking about female villains here, but really this whole podcast is about Glenn Close being a hero. Yeah. (laughs) A personal hero. A personal hero of mine. I wanted to go out and dye my hair blonde and get a perm. That was my... Oh, my gosh. So the... Boyant. In the lift, oh yeah, her her breasts when Michael Doug- like Douglas Sucking ravages it. her breasts. Yeah, I'm like, man, those are some good titties, Glenn Close. I like know. that's that is the takeaway from that movie. The yeah. first scene when you see her at the party with her blonde hair, and then the titty scene. Those were like the main things. Yeah. Vaguely remembered the bunny boiler, and then when I watched it again, I was like, damn, Glenn Close, those titties, buoyant, bouncy, like your hair, juicy, delicious. Let's do an episode on Glenn. <laughs> Let's do next week's episode on Glenn Close's breasts. Uh, so there we go. That's female villains uh, in movies, and I think I just think it's interesting to look back when you're what next watching a movie and there's a female villain. 
try to look at like what they're saying about females' place in society because that's what the whole female villain thing is about. It's always pointing out what society is afraid of in women and it's almost always sexuality or ability to turn off that mothering nature. That's what they're afraid of. Yeah. And also like women in power, they don't like that because I think they know, I think people know that. We're, we, well, look, we're at fucking great. Just in our own end. Yeah, exactly. just good. That's the thing. That's it. They're we're just fucking. Do you know what I hate it? Do you know what I've realized is that like women are so fucking competent. Yeah. I understand why men are like, let's not give them power because they're like, they're so much better. Like, <laughs> like, would we yeah. not, like, would we not just like, if we didn't need them, yeah. if there was a way, like, you know, this is my thing. Like in Jurassic Park, they're all female dinosaurs right but as Jeff Goldblum says nature finds a way and they do find a way to breed without men around and I'm just saying if we just got rid of all the men (laughs) nature would find a way and it would be all right and we'd get there anyway do you know what I mean come on yeah does anyone need a man (laughs) (laughs) like that's just all I'm saying does anyone have you ever had a situation where you're like I need a man Tumbleweed. <laughs> Abby will kiss him. That's what? Me. I would not kiss him. Everyone's here. If I'm saying this, like, I wouldn't. The jealousy is really getting to everyone. That extra time with Matt should have been for me. How's the conversation going to go? Because there's only so long that you can seduce someone for. I personally don't think Abby is honest. We have with us a former female villain and star of Australia's The Bachelor and Australia's most well-known Gemini. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I am a Gemini too, but no, she is definitely more well-known than me. Yeah, well, I think she's you, just known for being a Gemini. Yeah. Not everyone has their star sign sort of, you know, everyone knows what they is, but It's like... It's me and Abby and Elle Woods. Elle Woods, remember? I'm a Gemini vegetarian. I'm not. I'm a vegan. But, okay. yeah. It's, um, just a, it's a pretty good group. All right. Enough about you. Please welcome. <laughs> please welcome <laughs> our guest, Abby Chatfield. Yay! Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you so How much for we? coming. Oh, look, we're, we're great. We're great. We're great. We're in lockdown and we're cold and we're looking I'm, at you, sunny paradise gal, looking amazing and free. So, yeah, it's really great. I know. It was it was 17 degrees here last night and I was in like a puffer jacket and a jumper and jeans and I was like, it's so cold, it's under 20. And then I thought, <laughs> my poor little Melbourne friends trapped down there, trapped yeah. in Victoria. The thing is with Melbourne is that you live here and you know what the weather's like and, yes, it sucks, but it's made up for with the fact that you can go and do so much yeah. in this city. So when you take away the fact that we can't do anything, it's just like, oh, so we've just – Got the shit weather. Yeah, exactly. That's the only thing you're so allowed to do true. is go for a walk with like your dog and it's just not pleasant. Yeah, no. Yeah. Not taking my dog anywhere. Oh, yeah, um, pass. So, Abby, I know that our listeners will all know who you are, but can you just explain who you are to people that might not know you because we have some international listeners? Yeah. Yes, international. I got this to worldwide, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I just need some <laughs> sunglasses on my head and you can't tell me apart from Pitbull. It's amazing. <laughs> you got a skin cap on. <laughs> Why is it that Pitbull and Alex Perry are the only people that rocked that sunglasses on the head look for so long? It's just too much of an egg 
if you don't yeah, have glasses yeah, yeah, on. They yeah. just like need a yeah. egg vibe. Need yeah. the right shaped skull. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so I was the runner-up on uh, season seven of The Bachelor. I got dumped on a rock in Africa. It was very traumatic for me. And I then kind of got a bit of a bit of a villain edit, I guess. And well, I guess definitely. <laughs> and, and then I kind of came out of it and I have my own podcast and a sex and dating column because a huge reason that I was a villain was because I was really, really horny and wanted to have sex with Matt really badly, which fair, I stand by. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, now I'm just, I'm just suddenly kind of turned it around, which is very confusing for me. I looked at the BIP comments the other day on the because BIP's coming out in a few days. And oh, I looked at the okay, sorry, and sorry. Bachelor in Paradise. Okay, right. Bip, oh, sorry. That, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, yeah, Bachelor in Paradise. Sorry. Which, by the way, sorry, I have no idea how that go. show works. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, but what, what, how what, does that work? Everyone's a bachelor. What? How does it work? We're all bachelors and we're all in paradise. We're, right. all, we're all there. Okay, uh, so it's, it's in the like, title. You have to ma- match someone that day, don't you? Yeah, and, like, there's, like, an uneven amount of girls or guys. Okay. So one will go home because you'll be the loser that no one wants to give their rose to. Right. Mm. So everyone Tragic. has a rose. Yes. So, like, so like if there's five girls and there's seven guys, two guys will go home because the five girls give their roses to the Yeah, right. Right. Well, there you go. It's seriously. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, it's seriously. Like, yeah, yeah, you're listening to it the. It makes me feel so uncomfortable. It's like when they used to pick sports teams at school, you know? And you were always yeah. picked last. I wasn't. I was picked first. I yeah, so really I don't funny. know what you're complaining about. <laughs> but yeah. that's like, you know when they Yeah, no, I know. They do it on RuPaul's Drag Race I, all the time. There's always one queen left at the end and it's really sad. Oh, yeah. Really sad. It's really tragic. Yeah. yeah. And it's like also embarrassing because it's like out of everyone, like if you get sent home, it's like out of all the people here, no one wanted a bar of you. <laughs> yeah. Like no one wanted to even fucking yeah. sit you around any longer. Yeah. I find it um, really at least hard with to- Matt. It's one person. Like yeah. with the bachelor, it's one person. Oh, that one person doesn't like me. Mm. But if it's like nine of them, you're like, <laughs> is it me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, I was looking through the, the Bachelor in Paradise comments, and there weren't any negative ones on like on my promo. And I was like, what? I would literally have like imposter syndrome. I was sitting in bed, and I was like, what is going on? Mm. I was ready to fight people in the comments, but it was all like queen, queen. And I was like, okay, love you all, but this is really, really confusing for me. This is like talk about why the hell you are in the comments. What are you doing torturing yourself anyway? Because it's it's an addiction. Yeah. I don't know. It's like because if someone, if you knew there was a little room that everyone was talking about you, there was an email thread, mm. you would want to find the email thread. Yeah. Like it's like everyone says just don't look and it's like, well, also I follow Bachelor in Paradise. So I scroll yeah. through and I see my face and I'm like, oh, what yeah, are they you saying? Wanna, yeah, you yeah. would 100% yeah. look. I remember Kylie Jenner saying that like, Every morning she wakes up and just looks at all of the horrible things people write about her and, like, how it's really hard to turn that off. And I'm like, yeah, that would be difficult not to take a bar it. Is it is because it feels like a threat. And when when you know that there's something out there that is a potential threat, then, of course, you want to seek it out and to defend yourself. All right. I'm not going anywhere near COVID. So no, I know no. that that threat's out there. No, but, but you, don't, you don't seek out. But yeah, you, you do. do. You look, you look for information yeah. on COVID to know. Yes, that's so exactly. true. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't. You're not seeking out the good stuff yeah. because you don't need to protect yourself from the good stuff. 
you know? Yeah. I, d- I do get it. I don't I know. Do there's pretty it. limited good stuff though. Isn't that it? has just, <laughs> I'm going to tell my therapist that, that has just like blown my mind yeah. <laughs> as to why I look, oh my God, me just so like, <laughs> that really did it to him. Thank you for that. Let me write that down for my new therapist that I got last week. But also you have been very vocal about the fact that you don't even have to seek it out, that people write threats to you, don't oh, they? Oh, I can't get over that. Yeah. Um, someone sent you a voice message of how he was going to. Yeah. Yeah. So that one was, what did he say? He's like, you grab. Oh, if I, if I ever saw you, I'd strangle you to death. You fucking yeah. grab can't fucking grab. It's on my Instagram. It might be confronting though. I'm going to trigger warning. And it was really scary because I got it about 11 PM and I already have anxiety and I live alone in like inner city Brisbane. And yeah, I got a voice on my from someone who who had been harassing me for months and months and months and saying that they would strangle me if they saw me. So then I decided to post just 10. I have a Google Drive of all the mean messages. So I posted 10 of them. And then I was like, this is what happens to people. And I was just 10 out of like, I think I have like three or 400. Oh my God. Just ones that I've saved. I haven't saved ones past the show. During the show, my friend had my Instagram and she was like, would you want me to delete the horrible ones? And I was like, just keep them if you remember to keep them because I'll use them for something later down the line. And I haven't except for that post. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Is it fair to say that the way you were portrayed on The Bachelor is the reason that you get so much hate though? Yeah, I think yeah. so. But I think also beyond, I think the the way that I was portrayed on The Bachelor is a certain type of person and I think a huge part of that is being very sexual and very confident, mm. right? And then post the show, I'm on my story talking about, like, how to, like, prepare for anal and, like, about, like, I, I know I have a feminist tattoo and I, like, I think the people that hated me on the show, there's people that didn't like me because of the edit but there's other people that had something deeper that there was a projection going on. They didn't like that I was confident or sexual. And then that that's kind of continued afterwards. So when I post about my abortion or me being on antidepressants because I'm like, oh, this will help people, then they get upset because they're like, why is she happy yeah. in herself? Which I'm not as per my therapist, <laughs> but like they think that I am. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. You know, Annie and I are vocal and we talk about, a lot of things on the podcast and 100% like it doesn't sit well with people like being being a confident woman who likes herself in this day and age is just like not acceptable to some people well, it's a oh, threat or something yeah well i think i think a huge reason why a lot of people had issues with me. Well, a lot of DMs that I got were sort of things like, you're that girl in high school that would hang out with the boys and wouldn't have any girlfriends or you're the type of girl that would steal someone's boyfriend. And I'm like, okay, I have, I went to an all girls school, so impossible. Yeah. Also, I have no male friends. I don't like men. I don't get along with men. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm attracted to them. But I literally, last time I hung out with some friends of mine and their male friends were there and I was like left on the table when they all got drinks. And I was like, what do I talk to men about? Like I'm just, I'm a girl's girl. And there was this huge, and they, they project their insecurities from their high school experiences. I remind them of someone and then they take all that anger out onto me. And I'm like, I just, I didn't do any of that, but because the way that I look or the way that I talk or my, that I laugh a lot or that I say things that you think I shouldn't be saying, you then hate me as you'd hate the other person. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you're describing someone that I really like. <laughs> and I know that since The Bachelor, you actually 
made lemonade out of lemons, so to speak, and became very popular, particularly amongst feminists and people with that sort of mindset. However, that didn't really happen until after The Bachelor, did it? Because during The Bachelor, the way you were portrayed was, like, I suppose it wasn't your full personality. Yeah. There was only parts (laughs) of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're together, you know, they're filming you for 24 hours in a day and the show goes for like one hour. I mean, they condense a lot of shit out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, there's also Frank and Biting. Like there's also little edits of single words together that people say, well, you said it. And it's like, I literally didn't because that's grammatically incorrect. And I have a teacher for a mother. So she would kill me if I was speaking incorrectly. That's not how I speak. Can we just stop for a second and talk about what, like, what is Frank and Bite? Frank and Biting is something that I learned after the show, listening to podcasts. And it's when they get like single words and put them together. So you'll notice there's certain, there's certain things that I've said, like, and it'll be like, I'm going to get him. Or it's like, she's mine. And it's like this da da. Or yeah. it's like, it, it obviously isn't from the same recording. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, people, because it's me talking, I go, that doesn't even sound like a human. It's like a robot. But to other people, it just sounds like someone saying these words. But there was one that was, they edited that it was like, oh, <laughs> I'm sitting pretty. Which I have never said that. Who said that phrase? Yeah. Beyond 1946. Like I'm not really sure who. I'm sitting pretty. Yeah. Who says that? I'm not an Italian mobster. I'm going to be honest. Um, I've I I've known to say it. What really? I've said it a few times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've never. I'm sitting pretty. I've never heard <laughs> but that. But only phrase. when I am talking in like an olden accent, like oh, you'll be sitting pretty, like prime for the picking, you know, like oh, yeah, you not do do a that, legitimate actually. voice. Yeah, but yeah. See, mm. see, you don't say that about getting a rose. No, but there are things that are, that are put together and they just all add together and made. And perhaps that one sentence isn't particularly isn't particularly horrible but when you at, when you look at your your episode and you've said one word directly to the camera coming out of your mouth you're like oh my entire personality is being crafted so you can't you can't guarantee your edit no matter what happens unless you did not speak yeah, yeah exactly cuz they have this program where they can put all of the video footage in and it gets like dictated into words and then they can just literally search through your audio to get the words to put them together. And like, that's why it's called a Franken bite because it's literally creating a monster um, out of what you said. And like, if someone was to film me for a day, they might hear me talk about my husband, but they might also hear me talk about, you know, Donald Trump. And you could get the words together just to be saying like, I hate my fucking husband. Like you'd easily just out of those words. And so, yeah, yeah, it's kind of And even when it looks consistent, it might have been taken out of context so you could be talking about Donald Trump I but could they say could I just, fucking hate him I fucking hate him but, after but you were talking else. about Donald Trump yeah so yeah it's fucked totally. up yeah well there were there were so many times everyone's you just want to win you just want to win and all the all the clips of me saying I'm gonna win are from literal games like where archery. I yeah yeah like archery we did one day or like the bouquet thing where I actually ended up winning and the the interviews are done afterwards so you know you've won so you go <laughs> yeah. I think I'm gonna win because it's four days later yeah you know, <laughs> you know you've won so then they then that's used over and over and over again and it's like all you want to do is win and I'm like I was the one in the house being like I don't want to come I don't want to I'd rather come fifth than second because you get more and more invested so when you're top five you're like oh you know 
has met my parents and everyone agreed. We were just like, we don't want to go come second. Why would I want to go to Africa and get dumped on a rock? <laughs> or also, why would I want to win when all you win is a relationship with a guy that I apparently had didn't even like? Yeah. Like, why would I want that? Well, that's the with thing. A scientist. Like, that's interesting, particularly about your season is because – so the screenwriting guru Robert McKee said that a protagonist in his story can only be as intellectually fascinating and emotionally compelling as the forces of antagonism make it. So to have you come second, particularly in this season where the following seasons before yours, they had that the villain who got the villain edit actually won and the audiences were angry that they weren't given that traditional narrative of we want the good girl to win. And then the year before, like, no one was chosen. So they really were like, we need a traditional narrative of having, like, their love tested because the more that it's tested up against this villainous person, which is you, the more pure and great their love is. So whoever was kind of come second because of all the seasons prior was going to get fucked up with the editing Regardless. Well, yeah, there was this there was this huge Madonna Hall complex that was going on from about episode. I think from my first date, I realized because I was like, Chelsea is so like sweet and quiet, and she's like his perfect match in inverted commas. Obviously, like she's scientific and and she's smart and she's shy, and that's what I think. And Matt was being presented as kind of boring. Like Matt seemed boring on the show. Mm. Matt and I would have the best time together. And one time I made him like, I don't know if I just, I don't know, okay. One time I made him like suck a piece of fish that had tartar sauce and like it was a dick. Like I, we had, we he was like, he was funny, but because I wanted that match to be at the end where there was a Madonna and it's like, oh, this saint shows a Madonna and this whore is trying to trick them. <laughs> yeah. Even, even down to when Kate, his friend who. Didn't like you. She was awful. She's, she's honestly awful. Like I, <laughs> That's the one person that I spoke badly about and I will continue to. She was horrendous to me for no reason, for no reason. Right. And her saying to Matt, you know, Abby's a girlfriend and Chelsea's a wife at finale, it's like what's the difference? what's the difference? And there was an implication that like, well, you want to fuck your girlfriend and you don't want to fuck your wife. So your mm. wife needs to be this Madonna and your girlfriend is a whore and you throw her away because you want to have sex with her and you have fun with her. So she's worthless. But you should choose the good girl when in fact, shouldn't it be a combination of both? And in fact, Chelsea and I both are normal people that are multifaceted. And I think it comes from this thing of wanting women to be a one dimensional character, yeah. um, to understand them and refusing to believe that Chelsea is sexual Mm-hmm. Chelsea's not a, not a virgin saint and she's funny and she has a personality and I'm intelligent. <laughs> I was a financial analyst when I was on the show, but we can only see one side. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. Those things. yeah. really put into a box. Mm. And I think as well, like, because, you know, I watch Survivor and, you know, even if you're a villain on Survivor, you're still revered for it because – you're just playing the game. People don't care. You can be like the worst fucking person on Survivor, but it's because you want that goal so badly. They don't care. Like got to outwit, outlast, outplay. But when it comes to The Bachelor, because the prize is love, it's it's put on this fucking pedestal of anyone that's trying to win for the wrong reasons or, you know, try to come into the in the way of, of true love, which is kind of how you're portrayed as like, you know, well, you're just trying to get in the way. Like, can't you just see that they want to be happy? Stop sexualizing yourself and like trying to ruin this poor relationship. Like when you get in the way of love, all of a sudden, like you're a terrible fucking person. It doesn't, it, it's like put on this pedestal. And it's when all of the competitors are women. 
as well. Yeah. It's not, I mean, I know that The Bachelorette is men competing for a woman, mm. but the way that it's portrayed is completely different. It's not, there's not necessarily a villain. There's more there's just, weak men. No, it's, ar- yeah. it's arrogance. It's more guys arrogance. that think that they're really good mm. looking. Yeah. Whenever yeah. a guy comes on and says he's a model, he's going to get ripped to shreds by the editing, like 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but also when it comes to The Bachelorette last season, for example, I think the not not that she was a villain, but I think the person who copped it at the end that I heard choice was Angie because mm. she didn't choose Tim, who everyone thought that they knew what was right for Angie to choose. And, uh, like, she copped the flack. It wasn't that Carlin was evil. It was that she was dumb. Yeah. So it kind of always comes back to a woman doing the wrong thing, I find. Yeah. It's yeah. Same, with, same with Ali Ochin. She chose Tate. They're still together. Is that his name? Tate. I don't know. Don't ask. I, you know. <laughs> and everyone, everyone wanted her to choose Todd. It's it's the same thing. And they weren't villains. Like you're saying, Alex Nation was like a was like a villain, mm. and she got chosen. But people just didn't like them as much as the other person. And then they said, "Well, Ali's an idiot. Angie's an idiot." Yeah. So it's yeah, yeah women are very easily demonized. It's really weird how much people get invested in these relationships on the show. I I think that there needs to be more responsibility put on the people who watch reality TV because at the end of the day it's like this is what you wanted. Like you wanted to have this love story and you wanted there to be villains and stuff. And if you want that in your show, then you have to understand that like it's been edited to be that way. Why would you go and message the people and send them death threats when this is exactly what you've asked for in a television program? Like it doesn't... that, that's exactly the thing. Like if I, I all my friends and I would be like, even if everything that I did on the show was a hundred percent accurate and everything that happened was completely true. And I was an awful person. If I was trying to manipulate Matt to get some dick, that doesn't warrant you messaging me saying I should die. Like no. even if they were acting as though I like slit a cat's throat on national television, like they literally were acting as though I did the worst thing in the world. And it was like thousands and thousands and thousands of DMs. But it's like, this is for your entertainment. If I wasn't there, if I wasn't there as, as a piece of the narrative puzzle, then you wouldn't watch the show. Yeah. You would not watch the show. How boring would it be? Watch Chelsea and Matt bake banana bread. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you think it's possible, though, that reality television can exist without a female villain, though? Like, no. you don't think it can exist? No. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, even MasterChef. Yeah. The girl who's making the pasta. Everyone hates the girl who's making the pasta. I didn't watch TV. But. <laughs> I watch Netflix. I don't have it even connected. But I saw all the memes about the poor girl making the pasta. And then at the end, everyone's like, she's actually an icon. And I'm like, you guys gave her shit all yeah. season until she made it to the end. And now that you think she's good at cooking, you everyone was just, I saw all these memes about this poor girl. And all she did was make pasta. Like, I don't I don't know why there always to be a female villain. Married at First Sight is always a female villain. Yeah. I can't remember the last time there was a male huge villain in Married at First Sight. It's Jessica Power, Davina, Stacey Hampton. That guy that messages Clementine Ford at the da- time was a bit of Oh, and me as well, Dean Wells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So you ha- went to... Oh, you as well. Did yeah, you-, you were sitting yeah. pretty for a little fight with <laughs> <laughs> I know I was I was sitting pretty I was sitting pretty but I do I do think there always needs to be 
a villain, and I think more often, I think it's easy to create a female villain. Yeah, 100%. I know it's necessary that they go out and they go, who's the woman we're going to pick on? I think it's easier to make, because a lot of these audiences are mainly female-based, right? And women find it really easy to hate other women because we're inherently brought up to be competitive and jealous of one another because we're supposed to be seen as fighting for a good man and we're kind of an out on their lives rather than being the prize ourselves. Mm. So I think it's easy to be like, well, this woman, even though she's good looking, she's actually a bitch. We're always looking for something, you know, bad about her. Even though she's really lovely, she's insecure and ugly. Like there's always has to be a, even though she has something that you want in yourself, there's always a caveat and it's easy to hate that person for the caveat rather than seeing a man as a whole person being average looking, average personality, but he's nice enough so we love him. Yeah, you know, exactly. The base level is much lower for a man, I think. Yeah, and it's, and it's funny how like the more beautiful a woman is, the more easily she is to vilify. It, mm-hmm. you know, all of her actions inherently become more evil because it's like, well, you know, you can do whatever you want because you're attractive, and you like think that you're attractive. It's just like fucked yeah. up. Whereas like, you know, if someone is, you know quote unquote like more plain Jane or doesn't like meet the yeah. standards of beauty that people think, then she's allowed to be a little bit different. Less do you know what I mean? Threat. Less mm-hmm. of a threat. Yeah. It, it, whereas yeah, people the, really The fear. other thing is that we do live in a patriarchal society that gives us lots of reasons to, you know, hate ourselves and stuff. And so if the villain it, it's a lot of projection. If the villain has qualities that we either want or that we see in ourselves that we hate, so it could be either side of the coin, mm-hmm. then it's much easier to make the villain a woman. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Do you think that... <laughs> I know we're all just it's sitting here and staring and once, into space. Yeah, <laughs> like, once oh. you start noticing it, like once you start noticing it, you're like... Like once you've been through it or once you're you know, like journalists and people that have podcasts about The Bachelor and they dissect these things, like it's everywhere. It's mm. every it's every show and it makes me so sad. Like I saw that Stacey was getting some sort of, I guess, villain edit from episode one of Married at First Sight. So I DM'd her and I was like, hey, just so you know, I, I know it's edited at least. Like I, I could hear the Frank inviting. But, um, yeah, there's, there's so much of it. It is really easy to make women project onto other women and make them feel insecure and it's also kind of like a, it's like a gotcha moment. Like you were saying, like, oh, she's, you know, I'm intimidated by her being conventionally attractive, but I'm right all along. I'm better than them because I'm not an awful person. And it's really, and I want to believe this so badly because I don't want to be, I don't want to have a woman that is more than one thing. Yeah. 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 So were you like worried going, because obviously you're going to be on Bachelor of Paradise were you worried? Oh. Were you concerned going back in, or were you, were you yeah, kind of why just the like, "Hell, did you choose to yeah, do this?" No, again. but because you've you've shown who you are offline, offline, online, and people know who you are. So now. you've got ammunition. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I can't, I think I'm just sort of like, what worse could happen to me? Oh, oh. <laughs> that was all. I've already reached bottom. Like you can't get much well, lower than that. Well, I, I had sixteen. <laughs> I had sixteen episodes of hell. And it was filmed for three months, whereas Bachelor in Paradise is a shorter filming time and a shorter airing time. Right. So I was like, even if it all happens again, I've still done it for more than I've been before. So, like, I like I had for already more, stopped it. For yeah. more money, and do you, you mean? Get, and you get, like, a nice what vacation. You, you get to go to Paradise. I mean, that's... Mm. What do you mean, sorry, by I've done it for more? 
What does that mean? No, she's done it like for a longer time anyway. Oh, for a longer like, time. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah, done yeah. it. Mm. Sorry, I don't, I don't for a longer time yeah. that I did it for Paradise. So it's it's easier to do it for a shorter time. Also, a huge issue when you're getting trolled on the show is you. the reason why I was suicidal last time was because you feel like it's not going to end. Like in your brain, you're like, oh, this is my new reality. Like this is never ending. But then once finale aired, everything is back to normal and not normal. It, it was easier to maintain i guess and i would have a i would have the foresight to know that even if i am till the end and even if i do get this insane edit again then i know it's only gonna be this amount of time and then by the time i do my interviews everything's over and then i go back to doing my instagram stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. totally yeah. i i feel the same way about oh, yeah. covid like last <laughs> lockdown it was like when is this gonna end i can't do it yeah. there's no end in sight but this I, six weeks I'm like, at least there's an end point so yeah. i can get through this i haven't been on reality tv but i have gone internationally viral before and i remember the same feeling of thinking that it's never gonna end and i couldn't sleep and i thought it was going to change who i was forever it's a very very weird thing to think that how people see you is out of your control. I yes. found that really, really frightening. I was like constantly feeling defensive that, you know, you don't really know me. You don't really know mm-hmm. me. But then when you finally get to the end and it dies down and you survive and all your friends are still there and your family's still there and you're okay, mm. then actually yeah. you do you do grow a little bit stronger and you realise, oh, maybe I'll, I will dip my big toe back in that water and and have another little go at being a little bit controversial or whatever it is because I survived yeah. the last time and I'm a little bit braver now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's 100%. That, that thing of having no control over how people see you is really hard to deal with. I mean, I think I, I'm still a bit scarred from feeling like people were taking photos with me or of me to be mean like even last night I have girls come up to me a group of like I don't know like 18 year old girls at this bar and they're like oh my god we love you so much can we get a photo and I was like yeah yeah but in my head I was like they're gonna upload this photo and say Abby's a cunt like I'm like yeah like I literally yeah. am so scared still and it's been a year and I had you know people DM me every day but like you changed my life I love you and I'm like you're all lying like it really scars <laughs> yeah. you like you're like no, everyone hate like everyone still hates me, and that's why people are like, oh, how do you get the courage to talk about things like your abortion and about like mental health and body positivity? And I'm like, because I already felt like everyone hated me, so what worse could happen if I speak about my abortion? Or oh, what? Everyone's still gonna hate me? Okay, yeah, <laughs> doesn't really change anything. And I guess like you know when you open up about some pretty serious things and it actually helps other women, you're like, well, it was worth it. Like it, mm-hmm. the, the hate, like it doesn't really fucking matter because I'm mm-hmm. helping other women and you, yeah. uh, you which you would a hundred percent. Like I think mm-hmm. you're so candid and I definitely would see so many people would relate to you and you talk about things that people are afraid to talk about and you, and you're not afraid to talk about it. So that would help people so much. So like mm-hmm. fuck what the haters do, you know? And if every female villain well, I'm not saying that you're a villain, love. <laughs> but if every sorry, but if every woman that goes on TV or whatever it is and is villainized immediately retreats and doesn't stick around, then that's the end of their story, mm. and we don't actually get to find out that there is more to them. Mm. And um, yeah, that's true. But they're afraid to. I mean, like I, I live and die by. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and it's gotten to the point now that the fandom is so toxic to any queen that 
is aggressive. Like anyone that gets a villain edit, their like career almost gets ruined. But then, so the queens are always so nice when they're on the show because they are like, I don't want to get off this show Mm -hmm. and like get destroyed. But then the fandom complains that there's no drama. And so it's like, you you don't get to have it both ways. Like if you want the drama, then you have to let them be themselves. That's why like the earlier seasons are so messy and everyone's, you know, attacking each other because they felt okay to do it. But now with the amount of people that just send them so much hate you'd be fucking terrified to say anything and then it ruins the experience of the show like don't get to have it both ways Mm -hmm. totally well that's that thing of there would be no show without a villain like if you had no if you had no one to hate you wouldn't watch it like i love married at first sight i love married at first sight it's the only show that i will watch because there's like always so many villains (laughs) but the difference is this is the difference is I watch it and I will say to my mum or my sister or my friends, oh, my God, they're a dickhead. But I don't comment on Facebook. I don't message them. I don't comment on their personal Instagrams. I don't, like, I text my group chat being like, oh, my God, did you see that? This is before I was on the show, before I understood the editing. Or I just say to them, oh, God, they're a dickhead. Anyway, like, yeah, you don't, there's no need to go that extra step. I don't understand people. The thing is these shows exist as well for, so like, water cooler chat. Right? Like, yeah. to go in the office and say, did you see Married at First Sight last night? Did you see The Bachelor last night? Oh, my God, isn't she a bitch? That's fine. Hate me all you want. Don't DM me You don't on my personal Instagram account that I used to talk to my friends and don't comment on the Facebook posts or angry react to a Facebook video of me kissing Matt. Like, there's just mm. no need to get out of your way. And I wonder what motivates people to interact on an online in an online way. Yeah, I think I think people that send that sort of stuff, I think it speaks volumes about the person more mm. so than the person that's getting the hate. Like, I mean, I've never done that because I like myself too much to care yes. about someone else. Like, why? Why would I do that? Well, you, you know what the crazy thing is as well? They always get – so whenever I was getting trolled, my friend had my Instagram account and she was to link the comments – and they're always kind of going, you're a coward deleting the comments. And it's like, maybe I just want to see, I don't want to see you guys telling me I should fucking kill myself yeah. or that yeah. I should have been aborted because I stole a date card from someone, even though it wasn't stolen. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but like people then, so they comment these horrible things and then get mad at you for not leaving them up. Yeah. And they're like, you're a coward. As though, as though I owe them a platform to speak exactly. there. Yes, oh, yes, yes. yes. That happens like, on all of our Instagram, mm. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that's about lots of things. I had that recently with Black Lives Matter and someone mm. was like, oh, you know, my side of this. And I'm like, no, go away. Yeah. Your side doesn't count on my page. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> this is not up for debate. No. <laughs> go elsewhere. Do you have any advice to anyone that might be going on a reality TV show? <laughs> 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 Trying to think of how I can word this. Mm. Uh, I guess consider your reasons why you're going on the show. Right. I went on on a whim. Like I went on as like a bit of a lull because I a guy that I was seeing, he moved from Scotland. He was Scottish, moved to Australia. We like broke up because it didn't work, nothing dramatic. We just were like, oh, that was a bit of a holiday romance. Whoopsie. And then I applied for the show in January and then the next day I had my audition and then I was the last audition in Australia and then fucking six weeks later, I'm in the mansion. So, like, mine wasn't very thorough and I didn't understand the show. I hadn't seen a full episode ever. 
So that's why this thing of like she went on for fame is so funny to me or like she went on to win the show. I hadn't seen the show. I didn't yeah. understand how the episodes worked. Like I really didn't understand it. <laughs> They're like, it's time uh, for the rose ceremony and you're like, what? What's this yeah, guy? Like, never- Who's that? Oh, <laughs> Andrew G. Like- <laughs> Andrew G. God, those oh, are the days. Oh, my God. <laughs> my bless Osha. But I feel like watch the show, understand the show and really figure out why you're going on. It's okay no matter what reason you're going on for, but have a game. Gameplay, but how to? I don't know. I, I if you're going on just for love, don't download. Don't. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do anything remotely controversial. Yeah, yeah right. Um, if you're going on, if you're going on for quote unquote fame, the only way you're going to get the fame is if you're the villain, and that goes through trolling. Like yeah. you have to. Either you're, either you're the funny one or the villain, but people you remember, who do you remember from The Bachelor? Like Kira Maguire, me, Alex Nation. I remember Alex Nation because she was covered in chocolate. Yes, <laughs> the fucking chocolate bar. <laughs> the ones that have, like, people remember are always the villains, unfortunately, which, like, I don't, like, I agree. But you have to understand that to be able to get this fame that you want, we aren't an American Bachelor, where they get a million followers if they come top five. Yeah. All stuff. So if you want life-changing fame, you have to be the bad guy. And that and that comes with trolling that you can't even comprehend. So you have to, like, know your motivations for going on. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. maybe get your psychologist ready. Yeah, well, we have a show psychologist and she's really helpful. We have, like, pretty much, I think, forever we can ask for psychological help. <laughs> so that's good. And you have psychologists interactions before and during and calling in the house but the thing is like a psych can't really do like when you're getting trolled people don't get this either like oh just call a psychologist okay that's fine but i still turn off my phone from the phone call and i have 400 messages telling me i should die like it doesn't Mm -hmm. change the reality you know you can you can get coping mechanisms but it doesn't change this very strange reality that only lasts eight weeks maximum so it isn't like it's like, oh, someone's passed away and you have to deal with the grief and then you go to a psychologist to have a new way of thinking. It's like literally just getting through day-to-day coping mechanisms of like don't look at your phone for two hours even though there are seven new articles about the fact that you're pregnant with Matt's baby and sucked his dick in a, in a garden. Sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that really what they wrote about you? Mm. Oh my god! I was pregnant. I was pregnant the first oh, group date, apparently. But I would just have—I just didn't have a flat stomach, so it was like <laughs> a baby bump. And I saw it. I was in Coles, and I was like, "This is like paparazzi photos from the first group date where I had spoken to Matt for a total of, I think, forty seconds." Like, he must work really quickly if the forty. No, seconds I know. I know. It was confronting, <laughs> but I got through it. The pregnancy, we got through it. I was, I was three months at finale. Yeah, amazing. It's a beautiful love story. Yeah, and like the the scene of you in the car on the way home from just getting dumped, and you're like, "Did I love him?" That resonated with me so fucking much because Mm. yeah, the amount of times that a guy I like just you know gets a haircut, and then I'm like, "Oh." Did I? Like, I don't know that I ever liked him to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, and I think I said in the car, I was like, I'll be over it by the time this airs. Mm, I was not. I was still crying about this in, like, fucking November last year. Like, it was so tragic. Oh. 
but yeah, it, I think that was that was just like pure shock because you've been as well because you've waited for this answer for three months and then you get the answer and you're like, you're not oh, here. maybe the anxiety came from the the not knowing. Oh. But then I go back and I was also trying not to cry because I didn't want to be the girl crying in the car because I'd cried all season and I yeah. thought that I would be. So yeah, I'm really misread that should have cried because <laughs> everyone was like everyone was like she didn't care see and it's like no I just was crying all season and I thought I, I can't cry anymore yeah. I'm gonna be the sook like I can't be sooking like this but it was a three-hour drive back to the hotel and then we got back into the hotel and I like ordered three chocolate puddings two bottles of Prosecco got into my pajamas and was jumping on the bed crying sculling Prosecco <laughs> punching the roof and like and like and like I was like Oh, fuck this. Like, and I'm like, I wish I had cameras in there so everyone could see how mentally unwell I was. And yeah. she didn't care. I'm like, the crew had to like, certain crew members weren't allowed to come in and see me because they were like, she'll have a psychotic break if she sees you. Like, it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, the villain she... got her real comeuppance, <laughs> didn't she? Oh. Yeah. The happy ending we all wanted. <laughs> she had a mental break. She was sitting pretty for a mental breakdown, that's for she sure. Was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, vision of you jumping, yeah. punching the roof with pudding. <laughs> <laughs> like sculling cheap Prosecco, but it's like room service Prosecco. And my mind uh, is like, is she okay? And I'm like, I would like stop crying. So like, because I, I loved the crew. Like they were like my friends. So like the EP would come in and I would like sob in his lap and I'd be like, <gasps> and then I'd like get over it, have some more Prosecco, jump on the bed a bit. And then the publicist would come in. They'd be like, Megan! And then sob again. <laughs> and then I'd be fine. They'd be laughing and talking. And then a random camera guy would come in. I'd be like, I really <laughs> loved you too. <laughs> yeah. like, you guys. It's like, like the last day of school. I'm never going to see you. My mind it was like, is she okay? I remember, I remember scream crying on the floor of the bathroom and hearing my the minder and like the head of talent, the person who organizes us, her boss, being like, is she going to be okay for the floor? Like, is she going to be allowed on the floor? So I was like, ah! <laughs> They're like, get us some more pudding, get us some more Prosecco. <laughs> Just weekend at Bernie's there on yeah. the plane. <laughs> Just put some ray bands on her and get her on there. She'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> get her out of here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Abby. Yeah, You're Abby. bloody hilarious. Thank and you. I'm so glad that the villain got her redemption story in the end. Well, I mean, I think it's great that you didn't hide away and got yeah. to show us the real you. So, yeah. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>